0: Hi. Welcome to My Youth on Record. I'm Stefan Brackett. I'll be your substitute host while Sean King is out on tour. Have you ever wondered what your favorite musicians were like in high school? My co-host and I took that question straight to the artist. You're about to get a candid look into the teenage years of our next guest.
1: I'm proud of the music I made when I was a teenager. Like, whether it's like that song we listened to earlier or, yeah. or like other stuff you haven't heard, like, I think I, I'm proud of the fact that, like, when I did something, I like it mattered to me. So, mm. you know, yeah, yeah and definitely. like it wasn't like I wasn't, I rarely was I like casual about something when it came to like, you know, me playing or the music. It was like, it's like we're going to make this the best it can be. Yeah, and you like took it serious. Took it serious. Definitely. Yeah. And um when I see and I'm proud of the fact that I've done that and like I always did that and so now I think like yeah, if I was to interact with a a 14-year-old doing that and like being able to recognize that regardless of the way the music sounds, that's something that is respectable. Yeah. It's you know, yeah, like a true thing you had like yes. a real intention. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah so sure. so yeah, I think like if 14-year-old Ben walked in here, I'd be like, yeah, what, what's man? Up? get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Welcome to My Youth on Record, a podcast where artists share the music they created as teens and the stories behind the songs. On today's episode, we're honored to have our friend, the incredibly humble and talented Ben Waisaki, drummer for the international sensation and Colorado-born band, The Fray. Ben started playing before he could read and write. We learned in our interview that his Christian upbringing opened a door for him to start playing music in front of a live audience. Playing at church gave him the confidence he needed in high school to broaden his musical horizons. Let's listen in.
0: Ben, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You have been like such a great supporter. Throughout the history of youth on record, um, just and it's just been it's really amazing to be able to have you here. So with that, knowing that like you've been here for the youth in Denver, we just kind of want to get a picture of what your youth in Colorado was like. So can you kind of paint us a picture of in yeah. misaki in high school?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I grew up. I'll just go a little bit further back for context oh, yeah, there. Yeah. But I was I was born here up in the mountains, and then my family moved away to. Um, to the Nashville area for a few years, and then when I was five, we came back mm-hmm. and moved into a house in Westminster, um, northern suburb here of Denver, and, uh, I grew up in that house up in Westminster, um, until, I mean, like, until I was 20, I was there for, like, ever, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, my hi- I was homeschooled all the way up until the sixth grade, like, um. And then at that point, I went to Faith Christian Academy, this private Christian school in Arvada. Um, And I I was raised in a Christian home, and so my parents, I think it was just a logical choice for them. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't – what wasn't obvious was me just going to whatever the elementary school was in the neighborhood. Like that wasn't the obvious choice for my family, so they enrolled me in this private Christian school so I went from like one end of the spectrum homeschool just with my mom in the basement all the time mm-hmm. to this like high academia private Christian you know environment which was a little bit intense but um then I attended that school all the way up um until ninth grade and um met some lifelong friends there at at faith um in Arvada and um uh Three of which, well, two of which uh, I would later become bandmates of mine in the fray. But before that, like we, there was just a community of all of these highly creative people that still now they've mm-hmm. gone on to like like some of the community from Faith and the different bands that we were all in um, playing the Arvada scene. <laughs> Um now some of those guys have gone on to like be in like Beck's band and and one of the other guys is in Panic at the disco now, like us and like all these people that have came from this little Arvada faith creative like you know community that have sort of like now branched out it's really cool. When did music come into play? Um Man, like so early. I've, I have been playing diapers since like playing diapers. <laughs> I've been playing drums since I was in diapers. <clears throat> and, um, it's just like, it just became woven into the fabric of me just for as long as I can remember. Um, and like, like I said, a couple times I tried to like, you know, challenge that in myself, like, you know, what else is there to you? <laughs> I think I still do that. I mean, it's like, who else are you? But um, I just kept coming back to music from a place of like comfort, but also like interest and passion. And it's just like, and then in high school, you know, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. A lot of like, it's a tough time of figuring mm-hmm. out, you know, what you look like and what the world looks like and... And as I was going through that, music, like it has been for so many people and is still, was like a a friend and like a safety um, net for me, Um, like a safe haven sanctuary that I could just like hide in. Um, And I didn't have an awful childhood. I didn't have a lot to hide from, but everyone does to some extent, you know. And um, so, yeah, so music, like uh, having just like taken interest in drums when I was like a toddler... And that never really wearing off, that just, it just grew. Like it never went away. It just, as older, like I got older and and it grew with me as mm-hmm. I grew, like my passion and interest for music in general and then making music. I think the first band I was in, like with other guys and other people making original music was probably in the fifth or sixth grade. Um, And I started... A, a big part of my musical, uh like, m- maturing mm-hmm. was at church because I grew up in the church. In the sixth grade, I, start, I was one of the only drummers <clears throat> in the church. So I started playing in front of people and with other people on a regular basis as early as, like, the sixth grade, which was huge for me. Wow. Like, I think that shaped a lot of, like, I had a regular gig. The fact that it was church
0: mm-hmm.
1: was, like, didn't matter. You know, that was kind of irrelevant to the point that I had a regular. Once, maybe twice a week, I had to show up. I played in front of people. There was an audience, quote-unquote, congregation audience, tomato, <laughs> tomato. And every, You know, people watching me. I had to play in front of people and with other people. I learned how to, like, listen to other musicians and the whole thing as early as, like, the sixth grade, which was awesome. And then I did that. I played in the church all the way up, you know through high school, but that was a big part of me, like, um, I think learning the like uh, maturing as a musician.
2: That's really awesome. I've, uh, so you said you went to faith Christian yeah. and then after ninth grade, you went to a public school. Uh uh-huh. Um, I had a very similar experience my senior year of high school. I finally got to go to a public school <laughs> and, um, It was, like, soup for me, broadened my horizons, and I was able to see into a world that was um, unavailable to me. Uh Did you have any broadening of horizons switching to a public school?
1: Yeah, all of them, yes. I I, (laughs) I was able to chew gum, yeah, (laughs) and wear T-shirts. No, but, like... Other than just those things of like you know there like, there were a lot of like rules and regulations attached to the Christ, private Christian school which I you're probably aware of. Other than that, it was like just like yeah, the broadening of horizons. Excuse me, of horizons. I think maybe um, in this context had everything to do with like that. Those the friends I made at that public school then became like the first band I was in that wasn't a with Christian guys and the first songs it, that I was involved in original content in a band that like the subject matter wasn't like religious. Um, and that was like so refreshing. It felt like not that I had all this like, like, you know, bottled up angst, really, I didn't, but it was really just like, oh, there's like a lot more to the world really <laughs> not that anything that i knew before was untrue but it was just like an expanding of like you know horizons which took shape in these like punk kids that like that listened to AFI all the time i had no idea who AFI they're like you know like the the first record from the song from that AFI i was like nope but I'll figure it out, you know. They would, like, reference all these punk bands. I didn't know it. I was, I was like, you mean, like, MXPX? And they were like, no. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, then I don't know. <laughs> um, and, uh, the, yeah, so, like, it was, like, that was that really stretched me in a lot of ways, but it was awesome. We ended up winning the Battle of the Bands, which, like, made me a popular kid. I, like, became a cool kid in high school because of that, which was so funny. But, um, yeah, that's pr- there was a lot. I mean, even before that, though, I... Because of music, I had already, there was, like, so much, uh, like, of the world, musically speaking, that I was already just, like, enthralled with before going to public school. So I wasn't completely in a bubble, um, but that definitely broke, you know, any, any bubble that there was, that definitely broke it open, yeah.
2: Ben comes from a long family line of drummers. He is certain that drums are in his DNA he shared with us a song he recorded in high school with his friends who later went on to form the fray. And even though he was just a kid when the song was written, Ben's years of practice and his natural musical gifts are evident.
0: All right, so you've been, you've been gigging mm. yeah. somewhat professionally since the sixth grade. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep, um, Somewhat. Somewhat. Yeah. All right.
0: Um, can you name all the bands that you've been in from like, that point up to the fray?
1: Yeah, let's see. Well, um, the 1st band—I uh, think the first band, my earliest memory, junior high—was <coughs> a bunch of guys from church, like mm-hmm. maybe one of the worship leaders who, like, also wrote songs that weren't worship songs. That band was called Branded Souls. Mm. Branded nice. Souls, and the singer also played violin. So we covered a lot of Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Branded Souls, I think, <coughs> chronologically was probably first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after Branded Souls, I was in, um, uh, let's see, the next would probably be Ember, which was, um, with a bunch of faith guys, uh, the school that I went to, including Isaac Slade, um, who then we went on to, you know, start the fray years later, but, um, (laughs) So Isaac and his brother Caleb and yeah, we were called Ember, named after a, a taken out of a Bible verse. Which one? Do you remember? Um I don't remember. I think it had something to do with Isaiah. Something about an M em- I don't remember. Isaac would. <laughs> but he wouldn't he wouldn't confess to remembering. But he <laughs> he remembers. Because it was his idea. Um Ember, yeah. and then after Ember um, I played with a guy named Aaron Espy. Like, I just supported him. Um, and after Aaron, then high school, he got to Ezekiel's Past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, played in Ezekiel's Past, that punk band. <clears throat> um, after Ezekiel's Past came an early incarnation of the fray, some of the guys from Ember. Um, and then the fray overshadowed, my life in a wonderful way for 15 years (laughs) but in that time on the timeline there was also uh i went back to play with that guy aaron again we started a side project called rams r-a-m-s um so rams is in there the phrase in there um and then a bunch a smattering of other like if not i probably didn't start a band but a bunch of other just artists that i played with and supported but I think those those are all of them, yeah. Branded oh. Souls, Ember, Ezekiel's Past, Frey, Rams. And then a bunch of side gigs
0: because we've played Los Dreamers together. Los Dreamers, so yeah. a lot of other ones like that for you. Yeah,
1: yes, and that's what I mean, yeah, yeah. like things that I haven't necessarily started or, or you know, but, yeah, lots of side things and supporting other artists, like Los Dreamers, other projects like that,
2: yeah. Awesome, and you're going to show us some... A song.
1: Yeah. What's
2: what band um, were you in when you were working on this song?
1: Yeah. Okay. So this song, um, this song, Rebecca, I think is the one that we're gonna listen to. I was like digging through hard drives to find recordings, and like, unfortunately, I can't find as many, or maybe fortunately, <laughs> can't find as many recordings as I wished I could from these bands, um, like, I remember being in the studio with Branded Souls. I don't know if Ezekiel's past ever recorded music, but, um, anyways, found this song, and this song was me and Dave Welsh, who's now in the fray with me, and then Jesse Orrico, who was one of the members of Ember. He and Isaac Slade, I think, started Ember together. Jesse went to Faith, um, and he and Jesse's whole family were really musical. His little sister, Stacy Orico went on to sign a record deal with like a Christian label. She's a big Christian pop act. Um, but his whole family, um, were really musical and all really good friends. So Dave and Jesse and I were making music together in high school. Jesse was a bit older and so he'd saved up money and bought this digital recorder. Um, like a Yamaha digital recorder like I don't know how many tracks and so I remember sitting up in my parents basement like Jesse brought over this digital recorder and he had written this song that I think was about his cousin or some family member of his and it, I just remember it being so emotional so emotive so this is me and Dave and Jesse or um in my parents basement on his digital recorder and how old were you? Oh, let's see. This I, I was probably sick, like 16, 15, 16, somewhere around there. And, are, and how
0: excited are you to share this, this piece <laughs> with the world?
1: Well, I haven't listened to it in know, uh, I'm a little bit excited. <laughs> it's maybe a four out of 10.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Just take a breath inside. Tears streaking outside. And it's okay, just hold that fire. Don't let go. Some storm creeps by, There's wild clouds roll by.
1: And it's okay, just <laughs> that jingling. That is my car keys or Jesse's car keys? Go. I thought it was like such a creative thing to do. That right there is car keys. the drummers out there splash cymbal ended that chorus and my owning and playing splash cymbals was solely due to the impact that carter beaufort had on me the drummer from the dave matthews band (laughs) that bongo overdub duh He's still going back there.
0: Grand thoughts, let me sleep, let me sleep tonight. Oh, tonight. Big Phil, let me
1: sleep. Oops, not yet. That splash them (laughs) all. This is Dave, who, like, has been a musical partner of mine forever, which, that's a pretty good guitar solo for being 15 years old or 16.
0: Nights, the wise of are you are you liking this arrangement more than you would have thought? Yeah,
1: I forgot about this outro. Yeah, <laughs> so untraditional. <laughs> 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 yeah, I remember we co- we recorded those drums at at church um, because like. That's where my drums were at the time. So that's where we always played. So we just went to church and set up and recorded the drums there. And there was this, I th- actually, I think that song was my first experience of like the idea of like multi-tracking something because he had this digital recorder. It was just like endless. You could mm-hmm. record, go back to the beginning, record again, record again. So like the car keys, layer, <laughs> the, the bongos, the layered vocals, all that stuff. It was like, yeah, we're doing this. The cello that you forgot about. I, I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, there you go. Just Yuriko, everybody. Wow. So how does it feel like listen to that again? Better than I expected. Yeah. There is there is some really embarrassing um, things out there that aren't on this podcast. It, that would make me sweat more than that. So, it could be a lot worse. That's pretty good for, you know,
2: for yeah.
1: 16 or 15 or however Well, and I, th- I think we could already hear your, uh, what? Eight
0: years of experience on the drum. <laughs> yeah. it was really yeah. solid. Yeah, like, thanks. The, the whole thanks. way through. And then that keys?
2: Yeah, thing. I know.
0: Man, Man. Avant-garde. Pretty creative. The commentary, <laughs> so deep. Oh, Lordy, <laughs> thank you so much for yeah. sh- for sharing that with us. I, I mean, and, and I think we're we're still like we are holding out hope that maybe you will send us some of those more embarrassing ones when those implicated yeah, have to get approval, si- sign off. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You're not the first one who has to get, like, get some collaborators to sign off. Yes, on <laughs> it. But we are very
1: on being naked in front of everyone. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, the subject matter was like we had this one song. Um, Ezekiel's Past was the name of this punk band, which I didn't... i had nothing to do with the band being named. That wasn't <laughs> up to me. Um, and Ezekiel's Past had this song called... Um, I think it was just called Let's Go Out. Mm-hmm. And the chorus lyric was something like, Let's go out, I don't care. Uh, let's go out, she's not coming. Let's go out, I don't care. Let's go out, she's not coming was the whole chorus and it was yes it was this like I'm I would I don't remember the verses but it probably had something to do with like a high school breakup Mm -hmm. and it's like come on man I don't she's not coming let's just go out anyways (laughs) you know which in high school I don't know where we we would be going out to but it doesn't matter she's not coming let's go live (laughs) the rest of your life bro. Mm Um, that was the, the punk anthem of this. That was the, yeah. And I just remember it being, it made sense to me. It's like, yep, this makes sense. And it's fun. It just felt so fun. We're like rehearsing in like the singer's basement. Paul, if you're out there listening. And like his mom, like would like, can't these, his, the whole basement looked like a Z Gallery. Yeah, you know, like white couches and like everything's really nice, like fake flowers and like great place for punk music. Yes, I know <laughs> the the juxtaposition was incredible. <laughs> it was not like a garage. It wasn't freaks and geeks at all. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. this very nice house, and she would like everything. All these throat, these pillows and you know, and um, But she would light candles before she knew it was rehearsal. Always uh-huh. was having his friends over to rehearse in their band, so she would light all these <laughs> fragrant candles. And like, it was amazing. <laughs> I don't care potpourri. if she's yeah. coming. Yeah.
2: Atmosphere,
1: you know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. But, yeah, it just felt, f- like, fun, you know, which is important.
2: As we continued our conversation, Ben shared with us a vivid memory of a moment he had sitting in his high school parking lot just as the planes were flying into the World Trade Center. The experience changed him, and from that day forward, he started tracking the pivotal moments of his life based on the music he was listening to.
1: A really profound, like, musical memory for me in late high school was Coldplay's second record, "A Rush of Blood to the Head." Um, their first album with like "Yellow" on it was mm-hmm. such a like a, that song, you know impacted everybody but and that whole album i listened to a ton but then when the second album came out i rushed blood to the head i just um i think that was 2002 or 2001 maybe 2001 because i this is the memory i remember driving to high school in my volkswagen Golf hatchback because i had to haul drums Mm -hmm. i've always you know had hatchbacks or wagons you know. um but vw golf driving to school on september 11th and i had this was like you know i'm driving to school in the uh, early in the morning whatever time 8 you know mm-hmm. 7:38 a.m. and i had a the cd thing in my visor you know that where you put all the discs you get rid of the jewel cases or yeah. they're in a box or whatever you just put the cd's in the visor thing and I remember specifically listening to Rush of Blood to the Head on my way to school. And then when I was getting to school, I went to eject it because I'm like, getting to school, I got to put it away, keep mm-hmm. all my musics organized, you know. Um, and when I ejected it, the news was on. And that was my, f- and they were talking about the, these planes crashing into these towers in New York. And I remember not really knowing what that meant, but I was like, I specifically remember putting this Coldplay CD back in the visor holder thing and listening to them talking about this on the news, and then having no concept for it or what was really happening until getting into walking into school and the teachers and everybody kind of tell trying to tell us a little bit of what was happening. But that, like, I think I remember like the the re, the whole point is I think I remember there being this like uh, depth or gravity of life that sunk in, not just for me in my future, but like, f- like for the whole country or world that day, obviously. But like, that was a parallel experience for me with, uh, music like that, like that Coldplay record, which still to this day is like a, feels like a very true and honest record for me. I, I love it for that reason. Um... But I rem- I I, atta- I started attaching life mm. to to rec- music and records like that, and like I remember thinking, like, man, they Coldplay, those guys that would, they had no way of knowing what role their music was going to play in my life on this given day of uh, tra- tragedy and confusion. But like it did, mm-hmm. and that was so incredible to me, and I wanted that so bad. Like I, I wanted to do that. Mm. I wanted to be involved in that, like transcendent experience um which is incredible. So yeah, there was like that at that time it was like Coldplay and then I discovered Jeff Buckley late in high school and so like when all of my <laughs> when all other high school boys were listening to like AFI, I was like listening to Jeff Buckley covering <laughs> Leonard Cohen, you know, it's like she's um but yeah, so that was me, it was definitely like highly emotive high school boy. <laughs> and then
0: that day, when you're listening uh, to uh, Coldplay, when you when you went home, what did you choose to listen to on that day? Do you remember that?
1: I don't. I don't. Not specifically on that day. I don't remember. But um, but you know, it was like a, another, like more of sort of like my musical DNA at that time it was like that. Jeff Buckley, and then I, my I remember discovering the band Wilco around that time. Mm-hmm. They had this album, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, that had like maybe this is where I got the idea for the keys. Because I remember watching this documentary about this the record they made had all these like strange like drills and springs, mm-hmm. and springs and sounds and stuff. And I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> that's probably exactly I was like, the keys, I'm gonna jingle keys. You know it's like, like but um yeah so it was that I was like I was listening to that Wilco and and Coldplay, Jeff Buckley, and all these, like, and Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. Pearl Jam was hu- still is huge. The only band tattoo I have is a Pearl Jam tattoo. It's just, like, um, they, yeah, huge for me. Um, and, like, I would memorize, sit in my basement with the CD player, Discman, mm-hmm. and headphones on behind the drum kit, like, memorizing these drum parts mm-hmm. from Pearl Jam songs. Um and so it was probably one of those yeah. records, yeah. But so just that moment,
0: you were saying that that September 11th moment was kind of formative in some of the decisions you made in that junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. So what did you choose? What did you... because it wasn't that traditional path or...
1: Yeah, you know, I think... I don't know. and I. I I remember that that moment, that day, really specifically. But now, just talking about it, I think it's I, like what I'm realizing is that it just it, it cemented like the significance. Mm-hmm. It music then had always been a hobby or just this thing that I did. Yes, a little bit passive. Not that I didn't love it, but it was just like, yeah, this is just kind of what I do, mm-hmm. either in band class or in church or whatever. But that it's it's sort of sunk into a different level there, kind of like sunk into my gut and like, oh, no, this is actually like important on another level. This can be important. This can be like transcendent and you can have like a role in that. Um, And that's, I think, um, that day but also just at that point in my life when you're trying to figure out what is important to you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. People are applying to colleges and declaring majors. I was like, ugh, like that's what was important to me. It was like creating something bringing something into the world that mattered and, you know, that being music. And so, um, yeah, I, I I was just kind of a lost cause then because I didn't like – I wasn't applying to colleges. Mm. I didn't care about that, uh, which I probably should have, you know, a little bit. But um, I was – like in bands, mm-hmm. playing in bands and like listening to music. And, and then like my senior year of high school, I just took all electives. Like when I – like someone – when my guidance counselor was like, you only need three credits of like math. I was like, sweet. I'm not taking math anymore, <laughs> whatever. I just took all electives, all the creative <laughs> art classes I could. I was like, yikes. Um, And then went and like tra- – I graduated high school and traveled to Europe. For with a friend, backpacked Europe, you know, I was that guy. Yeah. Came back and worked. And then when I got back from Europe, I started playing with the Frey guys. And um, then, you know, so it's kind of like on a timeline, you go from like investing, it was sort of like knowing that music was like, okay, this is going to be something that really matters. I wanted it to I go to Europe, see the world, expand my world view, come back and just got like a job, mm-hmm. you know. Working like maybe construction. No, that was in high school. I don't know, just like some job. Banking money and then started playing with Isaac and Joe, the early incarnation of the fray. And then um, that was like I was 19, 18, 19 years old. And then the rest is history.
2: Each episode of My Youth on Record features youth co hosts who are just a few years out of school. I'm Mona Licious. And I sat down with my friends and co-hosts Sean, Don and Stevie in a segment where Ben shared some advice on staying grounded when the world around us is spinning.
1: Well, Ben, it's just it's an honor to have this space and time with you. Uh, Thanks, man. Yeah, it's an honor to be here.
0: Yeah. So I was curious. um, I started to process just your career path, you know, you said you were in high school and then two years later you're basically touring the world. So, (laughs) um, A little more than two years, but roughly, yeah. Roughly, roughly. Um, How or what advice do you give people who are young, you know, in that late teens, early 20s, you know, trajectory of like, I'm getting ready to have some major success, how do you how do you prepare mentally and uh manage your own emotions and your your bandmates what advice is, do you have for uh other entrepreneurs and musicians
1: man that's a great question i don't like in some way i've been so fortunate to have experienced the success i have with the fray that i i feel really fortunate for that and um I have always thought, like, in uh, other friends who are in bands or up-and-coming artists, like, the success that we experienced was so transformative and Mm. and life, literally life-altering because it meant something totally different for every aspect of our lives, like, financially, um, personally, our families, um, our schedules, like, our bodies, you know, just, like, everything about us was different because Mm. of this. And it was hard. It was amazing, but it was also hard. It just changed every part of who I was to an extent that I don't think we were even really ready for. We had no idea how to be ready for. So I've always thought, like, when I wish success on somebody, it's in the shape of, like, I wish, I hope and I wish you are able to experience a level of success that, like, really messes you up. Mm. And there's no – because there's no way to prepare for that, really, Um, except – Having the right—having, like, solid people in your life. I, I think if you really are going to, like, experience ex, like success on a high level, it is—it's hard because it changes every part of you. Mm. Um, and the best and I think most valuable things to have are, are people, mm. real friends— Family people who love you for you and like that's that's such a valuable thing above and beyond anything else that if like if you have people in your life that matter and hold them close, keep them closer um, find like mentors um, or somebody to mentor and just like those relationships are the most valuable thing and that's what will keep you tethered you know to any Semblant, any sort of resemblance of reality will be those relationships. Right. Were, were there any moments where you found
0: yourself kind of drifting a bit and you needed a, a mentor to, to call on
1: or was oh, this yeah. process... Oh, yeah, all the time. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. yeah. Yeah, man, it's just like... I mean, personally for me as an individual, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and There have been a number of... of adults in my life throughout the time that have been really important to me. But then in the time, the career with the Fray, um, we individually all had our people. Mm. But then we also got to a point, the band got to a point where we started to see that, like, the, we had a team mm. of people who worked for the band, but their whole vested interest was in the band succeeding. Mm-hmm. And we started to realize that we needed some people who maybe their vested interest was in us as people succeeding. Right. So right. we started to pull in some people um, that just had a different paradigm nice. and could offer a different perspective and it was valuable. And those are still those people that we pulled in at that time are still like like their Christmas cards are on my fridge. You know, mm. they're like a village. Yeah.
2: Great. So my question for you, you shared your story about um, the connection you had to music on 9-11 and how you realized that you wanted to give people um, these deep experiences through music. Do you feel like you accomplished that?
1: I sure hope so. Um, I th- you know, um, the fray uh, has been an incredible thing. Um, for my life and so much so that I'm like like, kind of like at a, a lack of words to describe that. It's changed my life. The experiences I've had be, being in that band, the other three guys in that band, changed my life. Um, and we have been so incredibly fortunate to have experienced firsthand some stories from fans and, and other people who have not only, like, connected to the music, but it's the music's been, like, has played a role in their life on the, on a level that we would never have imagined, mm-hmm. um, you know, because we go from making music in our Isaac's basement or my grandpa's barn where we used to rehearse, you know, it's just, like, in such a small little room or, env- like, you know, it was just us, and... Like the idea of that reaching other people, much less like impacting them and, and then living life with our music in the way that we had with other people's music is incredible. And it's really humbling. It's like um, some of the music I've been involved and had the privilege of being involved in making with the Frey and others is like gone on to take on a life of its own, it's become bigger than me, which is the... Which is so cool. And I think I've had to learn a lot about how to let go of, of that and just kind of let that happen. Um, and when it does, it's incredible. Like it, it's come back to me in ways that have been really profound and I'm really grateful for. So, yeah, I, I, I think so. I hope so.
2: That's really awesome to hear. Thank you for being on the show, Ben.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Mm-hmm.
2: I do thank
1: and you. And that's it. Sweet. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah. That was
2: awesome. My Youth On Record is proudly brought to you by Youth On Record, a Colorado nonprofit organization where local teens are empowered to find their voice and value by working with local musicians as their educators. Teens in Youth on Record's programs are working to be both the next generation of creatives as well as community leaders. They do this through music, poetry, and storytelling. My Youth on Record is one of their newest programs. Learn more at www.youthonrecord.org.